Over to you, Paul. Well, it's good to be back. Thank you very much for... Um... Wow, this place is cluttered, isn't it? <laughs> it's like my teenage daughter's room. <laughs> Um, yeah, thank you very much. Some of you know that um, a team of us and David and a person called Stephen Roberts, um, we went as a team to Bulgaria to minister in a couple of um, um, churches. And I thought rather than me speaking, because you're going to be hearing me sharing anyhow, I'd ask David just to share a few thoughts. Yeah, thank you. thanks Paul. Can you hear me at the back? Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, we, we arrived in Sofia on Thursday afternoon and went to the church. And, uh, which was an interesting building. I think that's probably a nice way of putting it. Um, and we met with the, the leader, and, uh, and then that evening uh, Paul shared on, on signs and wonders, and then we prayed for some people. And God did some wonderful things. He healed a lady that came racked with pain, and he just healed us, you know, just straight out. And she came back on the Sunday morning to testify that, you know, that there were no pain. We also had the opportunity to pray with the leadership team and particularly with the pastor's wife who, um, and God gave us some very, we gave us some very specific words that came from God and it just released her, I think, in a way that I'd not seen. Then on the Friday we, we traveled to, what was the name of the strange place? Smorgen. 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 And, um, which is a church plant that this church has actually put in, into what's predominantly uh, 50% Orthodox, 50% nominal Muslim area, a skiing area on the border with uh, Turkey or Greece? Greece. Kind of, Greece, yeah. And again, we met with the, the, the church there and two other churches came along and, and Paul repeated his stories. Uh, on, um, uh, uh, did I say that? Did that come out? I'm sorry. Uh, give, me the, the, give me the mic. <laughs> On the Friday evening, um, and 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 again, um, nothing really. It kind of it was kind of a bit strange at the end. We were in a circle, reminding me of my brethren days, and um, uh, and and then we and Steve and myself were going to leave. You know, everybody was kind of, and then God started to do some incredible things, and it fits in very much with what we've heard this morning. Uh, the pastor's wife asked for prayer, and she was actually shaking. Physically shaking, um, uh, in, not not in a supernatural way, but in, a, in, a, in a connected. And as she shared some of the things, we sensed there was some forgiveness that she needed to do. And then God, and then as we prayed for her um, very specifically, uh, we saw God take these things away. There was lots and lots of burdens, lots of things from the past, and quite literally before my eyes, He gave her a facelift. Mm. As these things came off, the lines came off her face. Um, and it was just quite incredible and the radiance of God just filled that place and, um, and was quite wonderful. Uh, the next day we got, you and I got the opportunity to, to go to a mosque, strangely enough, um, with Paul and um, I think, uh, and we were able to pray around that mosque and the presence of God was very strong. There was nobody there, which I think is very unusual. Mm. Um, and really just pray for the presence of God to come and meet that place. Then we traveled again, what seemed an endless <laughs> journey uh, back to Sofia. Um, uh, and on the uh, Sunday we prayed in the church we were there until about 3 o'clock I think Paul shared the message this morning it's actually quite good so please listen okay um, not, not like we're repeating things uh, and again we just got the opportunity to pray with people uh, and again really a needy people uh, I think I took a lot of things out of this I mean God has been doing some interesting things I've shared with some of you about my, my own work experiences in Bulgaria and, and really the presence of God at times was, was very palatable in that place. And it was both humbling and uplifting to see God do things. So I would just encourage you next time, church. When Paul says, I'm going, we're doing a mission trip here, 
don't, it's for you. You know, it's, it's for the people we're going to, but it's very much for you as well. And go, because God wants to use you and wants to stretch you. And that, that certainly was my experience. So go. I just share this on the, on the Monday we went into town. We had quite a lot of laughter. I think would that would be the understatement. Um, he is now known as the third chuckle brother, uh, for those of you that, uh, that, that know this. Uh, remember the chuckle brothers. Um, and, and we ended up in this very strange Christian bookshop for hours, wasn't it, really? And, and kind of, you know, three guys together sitting around with a load of Christian books in Bulgarian was interesting. And then, really, we just started to laugh. And I, I, thought, he, I, thought, I thought he didn't need an angiogram. I thought he was going to need A&E. I've never seen anybody bent over and crying so much. But God was wonderful in that whole, whole thing. And I would just encourage you, church, be uplifted, you know. It's a big world out there that's in desperate need of this gospel. And we're in a wonderful position here in this, in this church to be able to help and do that. And we do it in so many different ways. So next time, please, please come and queue up to go on the next mission trip. Because I guarantee you 100% you will be blessed and you will be a blessing uh, to those in need. Okay? Yeah, you get too. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah, I didn't pay him to say any of that. True. <laughs> But, um, and um, yeah, there's lots of other stories that we could um, share. I think one of the most encouraging things for me actually relates to uh, what we're talking about this morning. Just kind of speaking into people, their identity and their worth and their, their value. And joking aside, actually, pretty much most of this talk is nothing like I taught last week. I was looking at it afresh, and um, so there's lots of new bits, even those who might have heard bits of it before. Those who know me know that I, I like to give titles to a name. It just kind of helps me get started. And, uh, and the title I was going to give this talk is What's in a Name? Or Calling Out Names into Each Other. Calling Out God's Names into Each Other. And I don't know about you, if you know what your, your name means. Uh, in my family, pretty much everybody's over six foot. Uh, and then my, my parents decided to call me Paul. And if you know what Paul means... It means small. But, um, and look, look what happened. I'm only five foot six. Actually, actually I'm, that's not true. I am poor. My name does mean small. But names are important. When I used to work in Egypt, I, I often spent some time with some Africans that were studying there. And I used to just love their names. I would say to them, what's your name? And they'd tell me their African name. Then I would say, what does it mean? And they would have some, I mean, they really know how to call their, their children name. I really thought about what I was going to call my four children. But they must really think about it or get inspired. And they'd have names like, um, I am loved and lavished upon by our Father God. Or, I'm the one that beholds the face of God. I mean, they just had some amazing names. Names are important. Maybe you used to have a, a name as a, as a child. I don't know about you, some of those might have been good, some of those might have been bad. I'm very fortunate that all the names I had as a child are ones that I quite liked. I had two names as I grew up during school. One of them was Columbia. Um, If you don't know, that's where I was born. So everybody just called me Columbia. They didn't shorten my name, they just changed it. And, uh, And I was thinking about it this week. I was thinking, when I was in the sixth form, as it was then, even people in the first year used to call me Columbia. And they probably didn't have any idea why people called me Columbia. And it's interesting how names just end up sticking, don't they? You know, often people don't even know why they got that name or why people get called that name. 
The other nickname I used to have, particularly um, the longer I was in school, because I was often up at the front getting awards for running, was um, I'd be walking down the corridor and you'd, you'd hear this sound, beep beep, beep beep, uh, and um, just because of the, the roadrunner. And so that was my kind of other um, kind of name, tag, nickname that I, I got. But names are important. Maybe you were called names, particularly as a child. Maybe your names weren't so nice. And uh, in relation to what's been shared, even, even this morning, even before we came, when I was, I was praying yesterday, thinking about this service, I had a real sense that God wants to do kind of healing and restoration uh, this morning. And that can be in a whole load of areas I've been shared about already, but I felt particularly in relation just to things that have been spoken um, into people's lives. You know, if you've been in church for a while, you know that um, at the end we have a time of ministry. But you know what? We don't have to wait to the end. God is here. And I'd really encourage you just to be pressing into God's presence. I really believe that one of the things that God wants to do this morning is to bring healing. One of the things about coming to the Father's table is in the Father's presence, there's healing, there's restoration. And so I'd encourage you, we might have stopped singing the song, but we can start, still keep singing it in our hearts and keep pressing into it. That God wants to just bring healing and restoration. Some of this will be names, things that have been spoken into you. And God wants to just to take it out. And also that God wants to speak new names into you. Because names are important. I think sometimes we don't grasp that in the, in the Western world. But certainly in the biblical times, certainly in the Middle East where I kind of spent 11 years, they really appreciate the value and the importance of names. Because names help to define you. Names help to validate you. And as followers of Jesus, we need to live from the place that the Father defines us and validates us. And God is passionate about kind of reinforcing and speaking into us again and again who we are. You've been in church, even if it's just been since September, you'll know that we've been uh, doing a series Particularly at the beginning, I'd really encourage you to listen to it if you haven't. It's called Trusted Rulers. And we were saying that trusted rulers are people that know their identity, who they are in Christ, what authority they have, and their role assignment. I'm not going to repeat the, the, the talk, but this kind of links into it. We're kind of coming back to it. And we're going to be coming back to it again and again, even into next year, because it's something that as a leadership let alone as an individual, we really feel it's important because we live from whom we think we really are. And so as a church, as we want to be a church and as individuals that lead our communities into life, that bring transformation into our families, into our workplaces, into our communities, into our nations, we need to know who we are, what God has called us to be. And that's crucial And so again, this morning, we're kind of approaching it from a different angle, this issue of identity. We're coming at it from the place of names and what does God call us? Because the perception we have of ourselves will ultimately manifest itself. You're going to believe that you are called, that you are called to greatness. If you really believe that you are holy and righteous, ultimately that will start to outwork itself into our lives. 
And again, we want to reinforce it. I was thinking about it as we look in a minute, just at the life of Jesus. You see that again and again, God the Father spoke to Jesus, who he was. And I was thinking, if Jesus needed to hear this at least more than once, how much more do I, as a church, do we need to hear this more than once? If we look at the life of Jesus, we can see from, even from a young age, God was speaking to him about who he was, what he was about, what he wanted him to do. So, for example, when he was 12, I'm going to whistle through. By the way, sorry for no um, PowerPoint presentation. My plan was Friday morning, I'd do this marvelous kind of all glittering, you know, trying to keep up with my um, Mac friends, Nigel and, and Chris. And um, just to realize that my wife is away, I dropped her off, that she'd taken the only computer that I actually can. <laughs> I can read PowerPoint presentations in the other one, but I can't make them except on one computer. And she's away for the week, training. And, um, but if you look at the life of Jesus, even when he was 12, there's a story that you only find in the book of Luke. Um, his kind of parents seem to have lost Jesus, and they find him in, his temp- in the, the temple, and his parents are saying, what, what are you doing here? You know how much you stress me out? This is the Philip's translation of, of Luke chapter 2. And uh, Jesus says, surely you'd know that I would be in my father's house. How did he know that? Scripture doesn't, doesn't actually tell us, so in some ways I'm reading it into it. But at some point, God the Father begins speaking into Jesus and saying, this is who you are. You are my son. And it was starting to get rooted into him. Then there's another, another well-known um, story you get both in Matthew and Luke. It's the story of Jesus being baptized. And again, so I don't have time to kind of unpack it and look at it, but I encourage you to look at the scriptures. And in that story, as Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, as he comes up, I kinda, uh, there's a dove and God speaks, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And again... You get it later. You think, okay, surely it's Jesus. He only needs to hear it once. But you also get it in the story of the transfiguration. The story of the transfiguration is a less well-known story. Jesus and three of his disciples go up a mountain. Kind of just the presence of God in a cloud comes upon them. And there's a voice that comes from that cloud. And it's God the Father speaking, saying, This is my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And we, as those who have chosen to say, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. We as sons and daughters of God. We need to hear that. You know, it's interesting. I was reflecting on this. It says, in you, I'm well pleased. It's not like, in what you have done, I'm well pleased. In you, in you as who you are and how I made you and how I created you, I'm well pleased. In this world, we so often give worth and value to people for what they do or they're doing. But God speaks into that, in, in you, and well pleased. And I really believe that's one of the things that God wants to do this morning, is just to speak into people's hearts and lives and say, I am pleased in you. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. Full stop, as my, my American colleagues would say. And we need to let that sink deep into our hearts. And because Jesus heard this and he believed it, 
And because of that, he could live from that place. Because it's easy sometimes to hear some of these things, particularly if you've been around church for a while, you might hear things like, you're a son, you're a daughter of Christ. But as I often say, we know that we have it when we start to live from that place. We need to let it sink deep into our hearts. And that's one of my prayers this morning. Yeah, I'm just going to pray that, actually. Father, I just pray that this morning as I, as I share... I pray that you would speak into the core of our hearts, God, who we are. Maybe some of those things that we know in our heads about being sons and daughters, heirs and co-heirs with you, that you would speak them in a living and life-transforming way into our hearts. And so we need to hear what God is saying to us. What if God thought you were better than you ever imagined? I don't know what you think. I was there, I'm actually bored this from the prayer room. Ah, a mirror. And I don't know what you think when you look in the mirror. You know, what do you see? I'm okay, I shaved, so that's good. (laughs) My wife's not here, but I thought I'd best shave. I don't know what you see. What do you see? Do you see what God sees? Or do you just hear what people say about you? We need to see what God sees. When he looks at us, when you look in that mirror, and you look at yourself, he says you're amazing. He says you're beautiful. He looks and he says, I'm in love with you. I want to spend time with you. I like you. And we need to hear that. We need to hear that deep into our hearts, and I really believe that's something that God wants to do today. Again, when I was praying about this yesterday, I, I kind of thought about the mirror. I also thought about, uh, I had a real picture in my mind of a kind of report card, a bit like when you're at school, and you kind of get your list of subjects next to them. Uh, I mean, my days was kind of like A, B, C, D. Nowadays, they put all these 5A, 5Cs, and all these other things that's quite uncomplicated. But I could really just sense the Father when I was looking at it. Each one of us has got like a report card. And as he was looking at it, and I felt like I was looking over his shoulder, I just felt like God saying, outstanding. That you and I are outstanding. You know, in Genesis 1 verse 31, it says this, this little line. It says that God looked at all he had made and saw that it was very good. He looked at everything he had made and he said it was very good. And again, I really believe that one thing that God wants to do is, is, as he looks at each one of us, he's saying, you're very good. You're very good. You're not just enough, not just to get by, but he's saying that we're very, very, very good. We need to hear what God is saying about us. I don't know where you get your identity and worth from. So often we get it from just titles or, or roles. So I'm a father, got four children, I'm a, I'm a husband, um, I'm a teacher, I'm a trainer. I could fill in the gaps with lots of different people call me different things. Uh, you know, particularly when I worked abroad, some people would give me the title of missionary, not particularly one I, I liked for various reasons. But you can fill in the gap. Maybe it's to do with where you are in your life. Maybe you're, you're single. 
Maybe you're married. Maybe you're, you're, you're divorced. Maybe you're a widow. It might be to do with your employment. This is your job. Maybe you're not employed, so you're unemployed. And the list can go on. And some of these are true. You know, I, I am a husband. You know, I, I am a father. But ultimately, my identity and worth has got to come from Jesus, what he calls me to be. Not on necessarily my role or my title. Because if not, if something changes in that, it can shake you. You know, you think I've kind of gone through, I've been worked abroad and kind of come back. And even though I'm doing still very much some of the similar things that I do in relation to reaching out to Muslims, in some ways I found it very hard. Because it's easy, and the same as everybody else, to get my identity in what I do. And that's the thing that people always ask me, what are you doing? Rather than saying, who, are, who am I? A good example is in the sense of, let's say, trainer, uh, I do a lot of training. If my identity is my training, if somebody says to me, you know, you did a rubbish job, what do I do? Woo! I feel worthless. Or, you know, somebody just makes a remark, oh, you did a, you know, you did a great talk, but however... And if you're insecure, if you don't really know who you are, it will take, hit you really deep. And I'm just showing from, from my life. You can't criticize me, by the way. <laughs> but I need to get my identity and my worth from what God says I am. And we need to take hold of this. I could go on, but as you know, because of my background and my, my passion, I just want to take a little bit of time and say, okay, what, you know, what, what can this look like? How do we apply this in our lives? And again, it's not rocket science, but the first thing I felt like is we need to just spend time with God. As we press into God, as we encounter his love, as he becomes more and more the center of our lives, his voice will be the one that we hear clearer and clearer. And his voice will be the one we take more seriously and that we take on board. Because we're surrounded by voices, and I'll show you a little bit more about that in a minute, that are just saying, this is who you are, this is what you're about. And we need to create that place where we just hear God's voice. I've often said this in church, and I'll probably keep repeating it, if nothing else myself, that we've got to hear each day God saying to us, you are my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. Because if not, we'll spend a lot of the rest of the day trying to get our worth and our identity from somebody else. When was the last time you took some time just to ask God, what does he think of you? What does he call you? Maybe as I carry on speaking, hopefully you can multitask and you can just um, be listening. But at the same time, saying, God, what do you call me? I really believe that God wants to call names this morning. Speak names and identity and worth into people. What does he want to call you? It might just be a name. It might just be a, a reminder of something to do with your actual physical name. I often remind Katie, if Katie feels a little bit nervous, if we're kind of going out on the streets and just praying for people, I just remind her, um, everybody knows my wife is Katie, but that's um, officially her name's Catherine. And it's not spelled the normal way, E-R-I-N-E. 
spelled either way. I can't remember what it is. I know it roughly. <laughs> She's an area in green in spelling. That's the reason I don't often do PowerPoints. But her parents, years ago, neither particularly knew this person, but they named her after a lady called Catherine Coleman. And her name is spelled differently. And so I just remind her, I said, you were called this name for a reason. Your name is spelled differently to most Catherines. And I just remind her. Maybe one of the ways you speak to you, and um, again later on, I want to create an opportunity for people to come forward and get prayer and, uh, and just to hear from God. I always want to create an opportunity for people to come if they've never done it before, just to come and speak God's worth and identity into people. Now the way I do it, because I don't think I'm, it's an area I'm always trying to grow and, and develop in, and to help me, this is something I do, I often say, God, what animal represents this person? It just helps me. I mean, if God speaks to you in a way, go for it. But this is what helps me. And so I remember I heard this a number of years ago, and I came home, and I said, God, what's the worth and the identity you want for my children? And I won't go through all of them. Just one example. With Hannah, I just got a picture of an eagle. And um, an eagle is just, um, they're up there in the clouds. But they can just see things that other people uh, can't see. And if you know anything about my Hannah, she often doesn't seem like she's up in the clouds. But she's always had that ability to see things that other people haven't seen. Uh, I remember coming back and I, I said this to Katie. I'd heard this teaching. I said, oh, this is what I got for the children. You know, go and ask God what animal you are. And uh, so, you know, being a, I can say that she's away. I don't know if she should listen to the talk. But being the kind of humble and um, wife she is, she went away and she just did. She went and she, she did it. And literally, like two or three minutes, she came back. And she said, I feel like God says I'm a swan. And obviously, if you, if you know England, every swan belongs to the queen. And it just really just uh, impacted. She's like, I belong to the queen. I belong to the king. That's who I am. And I'm beautiful. And I'm white. And even though as soon as I feel like I'm going like this, <laughs> I am beautiful. And what? And so I'd encourage you. Some of the great, some of the stuff I most enjoy. I don't have time to share it. Get my newsletter. It should come out this week. Is some of the stories where the team there in Bulgaria. We just started saying, "This is what we we don't know you, but this is what we feel like God is saying uh, about you." And a number of those that I prayed for, I just, I was like, "Where do I start?" This person's standing here, and I just said, "God, give me an animal." And as I just began to share that, things began to impact it. Secondly, just contend for it. Again, at time, this would have been the talk I did in Bulgaria. I shared about the story of Jacob wrestling at Bethel. You can imagine it. We're all in our nice suits. Stephen was here and I wrestled him. Actually, we wrestled. Nobody won. And um, I remember I knowing that story for years and years. And if you know that story, Jacob wrestled with God. And what did he get? He didn't get um, a breakthrough in his life. I mean, this, if you don't know the story, he wrestled all night and he got his hip dislocated and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. Yeah, great. And what did he get for it? All he got was a name. And I remember thinking about it as a child. I used to think he had a bad deal. I was thinking, if I wrestle with God all night and I'm going to have to walk the rest of my life with a limp, I want more than a name. But that's partly because I didn't appreciate the value of names and names being identity and names being destiny. When Jacob's name changed, his direction and the focus on his whole life changed with it. And so, as people that we want to press in and say, God, I want to get a new name. I want to get a sense of who I am, what you call me to do. Sometimes it might involve 
kind of wrestling, pressing into it. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks or a woman thinks in his or her heart, so he is. He knows deep down what it is in us, it will affect us. And we cannot afford to think thoughts about ourselves that God doesn't think. But as soon as you've got to press into it. So we've got to spend time with God. You don't kind of links into it. We've got to press into it. And as soon as we've got to contend for it and say, God, give me a new name. My prayers, even as I'm speaking right now in your heart, some of you have just been saying, God, give me a new name. Speak over me. Princess, explorer, worthy, beautiful, whatever it may be. Contend for it. Thirdly, go on what I call a junk, junk food fast. You might not be what you eat. I've been quite fortunate so far in my life that I'm not what I eat. Um, but ultimately, you are what you think of yourself. And um, my question, my, my challenge is, what kind of junk food are we feeding our souls? What kind of junk food are we feeding our identity with? This is just a, a kind of quick aside, but it links into it. In relation to growing and becoming more and more like Jesus, often there involves, needs to be what's called, firstly, stop something, and secondly, start something. It's called stop, start. And, um, and if we want to grow and develop in our identity and worth and be all that God's got to be, sometimes we need to stop something. And maybe God's just challenging you. Maybe you need to do a junk food fast. And I don't know what that may be for you. Maybe, that's, uh, maybe it's TV. One of the most obvious ways that we get our identity and worth from is TV or the internet. Because so often that dictates this is what makes you beautiful or this is what makes you successful. Well, this is what makes you worthy. And I'll leave it up to you what they may mean for you. But as soon as it involves stopping, maybe it's just um, certain people that God's just got to say, um, spend less time with them. Because they tend to just speak negative things into your life. Then you need to start something. You need to start taking in wholesome food. And again, that might be lots of different things. That might be just reminding yourself again and again uh, I shared more on this uh, last time I spoke about identity and authority. I shared certain verses where Scripture says that we're sons and daughters. And maybe it just means just looking at those and saying, God, make that reality in your heart. Take that deeper. It may be something else. Maybe as God speaks to you, um, to write that up and keep reminding yourself of those promises. So when Katie got this thing about Swan, just being the husband I am and just trying to encourage her in this, I just printed off loads of um, swan pictures. And then I just photocopied them. And I just took them around the house, you know, like in the toilet and <laughs> places like that, just so that she could just take time and it would just reinforce it. Because we need these things to be reinforced because everything always is kind of eaten away the other way. Whatever it may be, we need to let it go down deep in our hearts. And so I'd encourage this more. We're going to come to a time of... Um, Ministries, if the worship band can get ready. But I really believe that God wants to give us uh, new names. I haven't had time to do it, but one of the things I really believe that God wants to do, even in the ministry time, is just let the Father God speak into our lives. You know, um, if God was here, 
Father God was here. And remember, he's a perfect father. I know a lot of us haven't had the perfect dads. Actually, none of us has had a perfect dad. All our dads have been broken and had issues. But if God the Father is here, he's perfect in love, perfect in gentleness, he really knows who we, are, who we are. If he was here, what would he be saying of you? If he put his arm around you, why do I want to say to you? Now, I believe that God wants to do that this morning and speak into our hearts. You know, there's a phrase, let me get it right, I'm terrible with English phrases, as my wife always tells me. Uh, Sticks and bones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Sorry, stones, sorry. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Rubbish. Words do hurt. Words do go deep. And I really believe that this morning, as it's even been shared throughout the service, God wants to bring healing. He wants to take away some of those words that have broken, that have hurt deep. You know, when I said to you about nicknames and things like that, something might have just popped straight into your head. Maybe it's something, something they called you in the playground. Maybe it's something that someone in your family called you. What work? You didn't need any time to kind of sit there and think, what is it? It just instantly came into your mind. That Father God wants to come and bring restoration and healing. And this is a wonderful place to do it. He is here. But he wants more than just to kind of take away the bad. He wants to come and bring life. He wants to speak into us, his sons and his daughters. He loves us so much. Let's be open to that. So I'm going to... I know to Michael just to do a, a song, and I just encourage you as we just sing this song just to open up your heart and say, God, why do you want to speak into, you, into me this morning? And then at the end of the song, I'd encourage you, we're going to have a time to come forward. If you don't feel like God particularly wants to do anything, this would be an opportunity to learn how to speak into people's lives. Because uh, not only is it good and beneficial, I tell you what, the world is out there asking people they're looking for their identity and worth all over the place and we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to better speak into them their identity and their worth